welcome back to Red Letter Disciple. My name is Zach Zender, and Chris Johnson will be joining me in a minute. He is my pastor. He's not my pastor. He's my friend. He is a pastor, um, and I'm excited that he's joining me today for our 12th episode, the final one of season one. And so our hope in this podcast, this season, and hopefully future episodes as well, is that it would challenge you to be a greater follower of Jesus wherever you are so that together we can unleash a greater, fuller, and truer expression of Jesus, how the world needs that. So hopefully you're challenged today. Hopefully you're inspired. and You're going to learn a lot. I know that, and you hope Hopefully you'll have some laughs along the way with us. And so we have had such a blast in this first season. And so I'm going to tell you about season two and what's coming at the very end of today's episode. So stay tuned. But on the show today, we have Scott McConnell. He is the executive director at Lifeway Research. Their research literally has helped the church and disciples for decades now in a huge way. And so we're going to dive into some of the latest research, especially around discipleship. We're going to talk about what's encouraging, what's discouraging, and much, much more. Did you hear the webinar with our friends from The Giving Church? It's coming up. It's on August 11th at 1 p.m. Central. Fund your vision. Don't let money limit your ministry. If you have a vision to grow God's kingdom, but in the past you've been limited by finances, or you've got questions of how in the world you're going to raise all of that capital, uh, we've got an incredible opportunity to hear from Phil Ling. Phil is the president of The Giving church and he and his team they have decades of experience helping a thousand churches raise more than a billion dollars they also commissioned a study with more than four thousand churches around generosity and and uncovered some data i'd never seen elsewhere that as a pastor or church leader i'm really intrigued by and so i'm going to be able to ask phil not only about his experience but about some of the the research that that, that they got back and how it helps fuel generosity in our churches today and can help fund the kingdom visions that you have. I know if you're like me, I got lots of ideas for how God can, you know, use me and hopefully steward my gifts and and this kingdom vision that we all have, but so much of it requires some finance and funding and support. And so it's going to be awesome. You're going to want to be there. It's August 11th at 1 p.m. Central, and we'd love for you to register. You're going to get tons of free stuff there. It's the Giving Church com slash red. You can get all the information about the webinar and register there, thegivingchurch.com slash red. And while you're there, grab their free PDF, Five Ways to Grow Your Church's Giving. All right, episode 12, final one of season one. Let's do this. You know what I love, Zach? Wait, is this... You know what I love? I know what? you usually start this all yeah, off. I do. I, but I'm throwing you for a loop. You know what I love? I love good research. Yes. Because in this world today, Zach, it is hard to know what to trust. I agree. The following guest today yes. provides insight to the church. Yes. That you can trust. Amen to that. Zach, tell them about him. Yes, today's guest. I'm really excited. We got Scott McConnell mm-hmm. joining us today. Scott is the uh, director of Lifeway, executive director of Lifeway Research, has authored several books and uh, has done it for over 25 years, uh, polling and getting preferences of church leaders, laity, unchurched. He looks 36. He's <laughs> been doing it since he was four. 11. Yeah. 11. Yeah. So, um, Scott, it, it's a blessing to have you on the Red Letter Disciple podcast. Thanks for being here today 
Hey, good to be here. <laughs> I had the opportunity to work with Scott uh, several years ago mm. in crafting the Red Letter Challenge assessment um, and a tool that, yeah, we were so grateful to work with you guys. And we've had 4,000 plus people take the assessment and uh, give really great data data and next steps. Okay, actually, I have a question. Yeah. Um, this isn't on the script. No. Uh, this, I said this in uh, uh, a meeting with 15 pastors on Zoom mm -hmm. with Rick Warren. And I was yeah. like, wow, this is a really amazing Name Zoom dropper. room I'm in. And I said the word uh, data and one of the other pastors came in and he just derailed me and said, it's not data, it's data. Can we get a, <laughs> can we get a firm answer on this? What guy? is it, man? Is it Please? data or data? Please. Um, 80% of the time it's data <laughs> and 20% of the time it's data. Mm. <laughs> That isn't, is really good. Isn't data like a Star Trek character or something? <laughs> so 20% it is data and it's okay though. Essentially. Yeah. What yes, it can about. be okay. But it, let me, let me ask you this, Scott, let's say you go to um, a research uh, convention, which you probably go to. I don't know if there's research conventions, but you walk in and you're one of the big wigs here at Lifeway and you say da data. Are you getting laughed out? Like, are you not allowed to present at that point? Or do you say data? No, it's, it's not that taboo. It's not that taboo. Okay. But, okay. Uh, but, but data is more common. Okay. There you go. We're okay. solving okay. world problems yeah. Thank here. you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, walk off for Chris. I love it. Hey, Scott, tell me, how do you get to be the executive director of Lifeway Research? Like, yeah. how, do, how, does, how does that happen? Like, is tell that me. always a part of your past or what, what about your story brought you there? It, it, it was not something I, I definitely laid out at 11 years old. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I graduated from college with a marketing degree thinking I'd be in brand management. My mm -hmm. first job was from a market research firm. I said, well, you got to know what people need to meet the need. Let's give this a shot. Yeah. Uh, fantastic company working with fortune 100 companies three years later we did a project for lifeway mm. and i said wow i'm interviewing pastors i could be using these same techniques to serve the church uh, so my wife and i had just been married a year we got up and moved clear across the country to work for lifeway and start doing research and uh, the first few years was just helping lifeway with with some of their internal publishing decisions but uh, then lifeway research was formed and I moved over and get to to do surveys on the church, surveys on the culture that we share with church leaders. And so we're 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 doing new research uh, every two weeks uh, is is our typical cadence of of new research coming out that we share with the church, uh, just to to keep people informed of of how to do ministry well. Hey Scott, this isn't on the uh, list of questions, so we usually like to throw people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm just uh, I'm wondering. You've done so much research over the years. In the last few years, has there been anything that's come back that, like, I have to imagine when you do research, you're like kind of anticipating what some of the answers are. Uh, but has there been something in the recent uh, couple of years that has kind of shocked you? Or like, whoa, I did not see that answer coming. I, I mean, in some respects, once COVID hit you know, yeah. all of our assumptions went out the window. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, the, the ability to surprise us uh, almost almost went away because we're, we're, we're almost assuming there's going to be something right. different, something odd. Um, but, but honestly, after the first survey or two, you know, we kind of saw what the trend was, which is people were being really cautious and staying mm -hmm. home. And we're still seeing people are staying home. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so definitely COVID, COVID threw us for a loop on some things. There were, there were some time periods where we couldn't do surveys because uh, nobody was at church to answer the phone or, or yeah. you know, things like that. So yeah. uh, it, it definitely has been a challenge, but uh, yeah. we, we, we've navigated it. Cool. Yeah. 
I, I love to use data, especially in messages data. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, in preaching and, and, and so, uh, but I've always wondered, and, and a lot of pastors do. And so like, I've always wondered sometimes when people, pastors especially are so synonymous for just unleashing data and not giving us the resource or the source. Yeah. Um, is there a particular statistic as you sit in your seat that like maybe you've heard in church or somewhere else that you just feel like always gets butchered or misrepresented or someone shared it and now other people are sharing it? That's that, a fantastic question. It, it is a fantastic question. I've got two answers for you. It's yeah. that fantastic. Good. Uh, both answers have to do with leaving. Okay. So for some reason, Christians, pastors like to inflate numbers of people mm. leaving. Mm-hmm. So one of them is young adults leaving the church. And there's been a couple different studies that have, have, have actually measured how many young adults leave the church. And But what you hear people quoting is you'll hear 90% of young adults okay. leave the church after high school. Right. And, and the reality is that in our survey of Protestant young adults, who had attended church for at least a year in high school, 66% of them leave church, stop attending regularly for at least a year between ages 18 to 22. Okay. But then they mess it up again and they'll say, and they never come back. That's not true either. Okay. So even within the time period as we're surveying young adults after that, yeah. those, those ages already 31% of them are attending twice okay. a month or more. Another 39% are, are at least are, are attending a little less than that, but at least attend once in a while. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's kind of a double whammy. The other leaving statistic would be pastors leaving the pastorate. Okay. And, and, and so some of the early statistics on this, uh, we, we finally tracked down and we found that they came from a conference for struggling pastors. And so it wasn't surprising <laughs> that the numbers were huge uh, uh, right. about, about how, how much pastors were struggling and the fact that they were definitely heading out the back door. Right. Um, but our, our latest research, we've done this twice, but our, our latest research was in 2021. So it had some yeah. COVID impact in there. Yeah. And we found that only one and a half percent of pastors are stepping away from the pastorate oh. early. So wow. not for retirement, not for death in a given year. Yeah. So over time, that's still a fair yes. number of pastors, uh, you know, stepping away, but they still could be in ministry, just not the pastorate um, and, and others uh, being called to other things. So, you know, in both cases, we tend to kind of overinflate the, those sure. leaving numbers for some reason. Interesting. What I've found is that 100% of the listeners and audience of the Red Letter Disciple podcast mm -hmm. um, just That's have better lives. Yeah. Their, their, their churches, if their pastors are growing. True. Um, uh, and so, yeah, if you could get data to back that up for me. That'd be awesome. And uh, we'd sell it that way. One but. thing I always say about Zach Scott is that he's kind of fast and loose with the numbers. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know, you know, 0% of, of people are leaving podcast mid episode this time. <laughs> That's right, baby. Come on. I like that. I Let's, like that hey, a lot. Clip that. Yeah. I like that. All right. I, I would love, this is a podcast all about like just challenging growing mm -hmm. disciples. And so I'd love to hear how data can influence discipleship today. Mm. You know, I, I think, we, we can answer that for the individual. We can also answer that for the church. I think for, yeah. for the individual, um, there's an important principle we see in scripture and that's to reflect and, and asking ourselves questions and, and prompting ourselves with, with, with reflective questions mm. are an important part of our journey. It's an important, uh, uh, it's an important form of waiting on God and, and listening yeah. to God. Um, and, and really the Holy Spirit can really work in our lives when we ask ourselves 
biblical questions about mm. how we're doing in our, our walk with Christ. And, and so obviously until you answer those, you don't have any data, mm, but yeah. as you answer those, as you reflect, um, you know, that, that's an important part of our, our, our journey. Um, at, at the church level, you're, you're essentially, you're doing something similar, but you're, you're trying to speed it up. You're trying to understand how are we doing? Um, where are the needs in our congregation? And, and so, you know, asking some questions, tracking some things that, that you can be watching and that you can be measuring um, are, are helpful in understanding yeah. what's happening in the body. I love it. So when you think about, I love that. So as a church tracking things, measuring things, discipleship, uh, especially with our paradigms that maybe have completely been disrupted the last couple of years. I think we could argue that the previous two decades, there's been a, a lot of movement, at least from the stage of, we used to count, you know, uh, butts and seats mm -hmm. and uh, the offerings. Like, so when you think of churches measuring discipleship, are there certain things or benchmarks that you are seeing that leading, growing, and multiplying churches are measuring today? You know, so some of the traditional measures still have their place. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like membership, uh, you know, the one conversation Jesus Christ had with, with God the Father uh, before, before his time on earth was done was about those that God had entrusted him with, those dozen people. And he said, you know, I have kept all 12 except for the one doomed for destruction. And, and so in the same way, you know, membership number, these are the ones God's entrusted our church. That's an important number to, to keep track of. Um, attendance can still be a measure of, of people's engagement, their participation levels. Um, we tend to want to toss that one out these days because the numbers haven't been good. And that's just a natural reaction. Um, but, you know, the, really none of those really got at, at, at the heart. And that of course yeah. is what, you know, in some respects, it's not fully our role to, to understand the heart. That's what God is looking at. Um, but at, we're trying to understand the needs. We're trying to understand the discipleship needs so we can help people take a step closer to Christ and yeah. to encourage them and to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And we can't do that without having conversations about biblical things. Right. Mm. And, and so you can do that in one-on-one -on -one um, but if you're if you're anything but a, a very small church, you really can't cover the congregation well. And so that's yeah. where uh, tools like uh, the Red Letter Challenge Assessment um, and, and other similar assessments are going to be systematically walking people through some biblical principles. And then as you see those numbers for the entire church, you can you can have yeah. an indicator of, wow, we need to put our energies over here or yeah. over here. Mm. Hey, Scott, can um, this uh, can I ask you an ethical question real quick just uh, between the two? Of <laughs> oh, us. boy, I'm curious what your ethical question is. I just wow. it's kind of like a more. So when when COVID happened and I was preaching, um, you know, we go to we go from preaching to people to preaching to a camera because nobody can come in. And and then when people come back in, uh, you know, the crowd is like 60 percent of what it used to be. Right. So just between you and me, is it OK if I told my ushers instead of counting people for attendance, you count their legs and <laughs> I would have them click for all the legs. And I grew about 40% when I had <laughs> my people do that. What do you think as a researcher? Is that unethical? Um, <laughs> it depends on how you report it. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> you probably would need the word legs in the report somewhere. Uh, That's the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said probably. You don't. He's <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. So yeah, okay. that's that's good. No, okay, I, good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what I, I always loved, we would do it. I think a couple times a year uh, when I was at the cross in Florida, I would survey the church and and mm. you know we refined the survey a couple times, uh, several times, and, and probably a little bit every time, honestly. But that most of the time it would be kind of the same questions, and it would uh, give our people a chance to tell us as the leadership of the church. Um, how they're doing, how they're feeling about their church, mm. if they're getting involved, if they're inviting friends, uh, are they tithers, all those things. And and I, I, it was always, I was always met with a little bit of resistance um, mm. because we also allowed people to make comments. And sometimes can, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. And people can rate things yeah. and score it on a scale of zero to a hundred or yeah, whatever. Like we're a Chipotle or something. <laughs> so wh- what do you think about, is that a, a wise practice? Uh, should churches be doing that? Or, or what have you seen in, from your research? It, absolutely. I mean, it does a couple of things. It, it it does set an expectation that we are going to ask. There's a little bit of an accountability there. Um, it, it reminds people that, you know, our metrics are more than the easy ones of, of counting heads. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, that, that we are measuring things that are important to us, and that's following Christ more closely. You know, one of the difficult things sometimes in the surveys is to to, to, to be asking more than just actions. Yeah. To be all trying to get at, at at least some of the, their desires, some of their heart issues, as well as some of their beliefs. Yeah, and and that's just a, a, a more well-rounded, uh, so that we're not going completely legalistic with just actions or yeah. or just hey, once you got the beliefs done. You're, you're done. You don't have, you know, right. you don't have to participate in the body. Um, and, and so, you know, keep it as well-rounded as you can, but at, at the same time, a little bit of accountability is, is super important. Um, it, it, it can be not very exciting sometimes for the people taking the survey, because if they've kind of seen where you've gone in the past, like there's no surprises, yeah. there's no, Oh, wow. I, ne- I didn't realize I, I'm supposed to be doing that or, 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 wow, I just got a perfect score in this section. Um, Cause you know, it, it's biblical stuff. So it's not going to be brand new, yeah. but it, but it is so important to, to say, Hey, growing closer to Christ is what, what really yeah. matters in our fellowship. Mm. I love it. And you know, a few things I noticed, like, you know, when they would rate and score and talk about their church, like there'd be, 10 great comments, but we'd focus on the one negative. Right. Right. And so that's always like, ah, just a part of our human nature. The worship I think. team didn't sound good last <laughs> week. You know? but, but what I also think is when you allow people and when you ask people for their opinion, it, it's another outlet for them to get it off their chest. And mm. I do feel like that was like a helpful thing mm. for a lot of people um, that, that gave them an avenue to do that. And so, um, but yeah, I agree. If you're asking the same things and the, it never makes a difference or like you don't ever share with them what they said and how the church may be the same or different based on that. And like, what's the point of it outside of just <laughs> trying to get a few good comments and right. shaming those that maybe you don't want. Absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, so Scott, as you kind of look at the overall landscape of Christianity, uh, discipleship in our, our nation and world, like I, I want to know, like what's one statistic or one research point that like gets you really excited? And then I want to ask the flip question, like what's one that like either you're worried or that re- is going to be really challenging? Mm. Um, w- when we were in the midst of doing some of our deep dive into discipleship uh, across the nation of, of those who attend Protestant churches, we ask a lot of different discipleship questions, probably about 70 different questions. We built a big score using that. And then we looked at all the questions and said, what actually predicts a closer walk with Christ? What, what actually predicts mm. um, um, 
being closer to Christ yeah. out of all of these measures. And, and to me, it was exciting to see a, a newer item kind of move ahead of Bible reading, even though Bible reading is still really up there high on the list. Um, but, but praying for opportunities to tell others about Christ mm. moved into the top spot. Oh, wow. And, and I think, you know, it's encouraging to me because it's like, that's honestly something any of us can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, it, it, it's not going to cost me a lot. It's well, it, asking doesn't cost me a lot. You know, mm. what God does with that opportunity, you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah, sure. Um, but, but, it, but it also is, is, is so important because it, it symbolizes the fact that I'm going to put God's agenda first mm. and, and to say today, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to be a part of what you're doing? Mm. And, and, that's kind of flipping things a little bit in our thinking to say, yeah. to, to, to put him in the driver's seat in that way. Yeah. Um, but, but that, to me, that, that, that's kind of exciting. And, and yeah. to, so to be doing that more often, more than just once a year, having that request, but the more often we do it, um, that, that's in, uh, that statistically points to being, being closer to Christ in all those other things that we ask about. That's cool. So then, yeah, the flip side, if that's, if that's what's bringing you excitement, that, that's awesome. I, I think yeah. that you don't hear that as much, right. uh, the importance of just that inviting God in to everyday opportunities and especially to witness and share our faith. Um, what would be then the flip side? Like, as you look at everything, like what's just challenging or just got you a little worried, uh, maybe not even a bad worry, but like, ah, oh, geez, what's going to happen here? Yeah. Uh, you know, the big picture statistics about how many Americans just indicate they have no religion at all. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we continue to see that rise. The latest uh, number from, from Pew Research is 29% of Americans indicate they have no religious preference. They're atheist, agnostic, or literally no, no, no religion. And that's, that's been going up a percentage point every year for a decade. And, and it, with religion statistics, th they typically don't move. So, so to see something moving that dramatically, you'd think that, that a researcher would be excited about that, but not the direction that one's headed. Right. Um, and it's not like in one sense, in one sense, we felt it before the numbers showed it. I mean, we felt that the nation had become less Christian um, and, and that the culture was no longer Christian. But now to see people not even accepting the name of Christ at all, yeah, um, it you know, rattles you a little bit. It, it says, yeah. OK, some of these conversations are going to we're going to start in a completely different spot. Yeah. What's causing that, do you think? Um, you, you know, I'm not sure what initially caused it. it it's not a new thing. We've seen mm -hmm. it in, in, uh, obviously in Europe. Um, yeah. and, and, and I mean, since, since we're a break off of, of, of the United Kingdom, we've seen it all the way through the British colonies. Um, so, uh, in some respects, we, you know, God's given us favor t for us to, to have such a large Christian population this yeah. long, and especially yeah. the, 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 the evangelical population, uh, those denominations within the United States, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, we've seen a lot of God's favor um, and, and, and yet to see some of the same patterns occurring, you know, mm. can be a little discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that same research from Pew Research, it was, uh, if I remember right, December, 2021. So this is not like uh, pre COVID. Um, this yep. is like after, you know, and, and during all of this. And so the things that surprised me about that, that specific one um, is 63% of people in America self-identify as Christians. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you listen to media and everyone else, like that's shocking to me that it's still that high. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I, you can look at it in a positive or negative light, I suppose. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've always argued that we're statistically not a post-Christian nation. 
True. We Very still true. have 63%. Now, I understand the sentiment of it. And for me, it's like this reason for this podcast. We are a post-disciple nation. And, and so the 63%, like many of them aren't really living as disciples. They believe in Jesus as Savior, which is great. But there's a deeper call to follow him as Lord. And so that's surprising to me that 63% of people are still self-identified as Christians. Does that surprise you, Scott? No, uh, you know, a, a lot of times we're looking at breakdowns of that and, and we understand that, uh, you know, mainline churches and evangelical churches and Catholic churches rarely hold hands and, and do a lot of things together. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and, and yet all of all of those that I just mentioned still, if you pop up the website, yeah. you know, some of the core biblical beliefs are sitting there of believing in God, believing in the Trinity, believing yeah. that Jesus Christ is the only way. And, and, and so, you know, that is still 63% yeah. who, who are acknowledging, you know, at least calling him Lord, Lord. And of course, Jesus cautioned that that's not everything. Right. Um, but, but that, that's still a, a lot of folks in the United States. And, 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 and it, it's also grateful that even as we're trying to, you know, to have conversations with some of those people who who acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ, uh, th that's an easy place to start to see sure. where they're at spiritually when they already believe Jesus really, really lived, really existed, really yeah. died, really rose again. And, and, you know, that's a much easier conversation than with somebody yeah. where they don't believe the Bible's true or, or they're not sure God even exists. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. The other piece about that study that I was, again, surprised by, did you say it was 29% that were um, religiously no affiliation? Yes. Yeah, and then and then it's 6% in other religions. Um, you know, so Buddhism, Islam, Sikhism, all of those. And I think, like, that's surprising to me that it's almost five to one, um, sort of that atheist, agnostic, or I'm not going to answer, uh, versus uh, major other major world religions. And because I think why that's surprising to me is we spend some significant time sometimes studying other world religions, and we should, by the way. Um, but I really think, like, statistically, number-wise, if, if we're about maximizing and pr producing especially what you just said about the stat of a lot of people are, are realizing the opportunity to open doors, to share God's. I really think if we can leverage that um, and then provide some really great training on evangelism, specifically to those who are atheist or those who are agnostic, um, I think that that could be a really great opportunity. Um, do you agree? I, I just want to know, is that, is that on point? Am I reading? Uh, so part of this is I love stats, but I also love thinking about them because of what it yeah. means. Is yeah. that an appropriate response to that or would and, you have a different response? And to follow up on that, <laughs> should Zach do the evangelism challenge? <laughs> it's coming later. Don't worry. 2026, maybe. Okay. Nice. Uh, I mean, two, two things come out from that statistic. One is that the, the high number of immigrants that, that frankly yeah. have been less and less Christian have they've, yeah. as they've come into the United States, uh, you know, tend to lose whatever religion they came with. Mm. Um, obviously, some of them are hang on, hanging on to that religion, but many of them kind of realize, well, if everybody else isn't that, maybe it doesn't have that much value in my life. Mm. And so, uh, you know, so it really does come down to a lot of people, whether they're another religion or whether they have no religion, yeah. still have core human needs. And and when we can be sharing the gospel in ways that point to how Jesus Christ satisfies those needs in a way that no other source can, you know, that's still our opportunity. Yeah.
I love it. Yeah. How can Jesus, like in our story, when we witness, when we give our testimony, what difference does he make and how does he bring fulfillment? Uh, yeah, so good. Uh, I think that's what's missing. Uh, Scott, are there any uh, any downsides to using data, like anything we need to be careful of as as church leaders? Um, you know, keep in mind that there's always another number. <laughs> so, so the numbers you have in front of you never tell the entire story. And, and, and some of that, praise the Lord, you know, there's still room for the Holy Spirit to work. So mm -hmm. if the numbers look like it's impossible, the Holy Spirit can still do something. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, but also even when you, you think you've collected all the best data, you know, there's still another angle. There's still another thing. So, so, so you know, share the data for what it is. It's telling sure. this part of the story. Um, but, but just, you know, that humility to say there's always more. And uh, so, you know, use the data you have. Uh, it's worth making efforts to find out more information about the needs of your congregation, the needs of your community. Um, but, but just, just understand that, that you're, you don't have the whole story in front of you. Yeah, that's good. What percent of, of statistics that people give out there are actually true. Did you know that 29% of all statistics are accurate? 57% are made up on the spot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Including two there. Maybe, that's, right. that's exactly right. Uh, hey, one of uh, you've authored several books too. In, in the past, you authored The Parent Adventure, uh, Preparing Your Children for a Lifetime with God. And especially as you look at all of the research that's out there in the generations coming up, like, I think it's so easy for us to be negative and look at, you know, what's coming and, and yeah, just give our negative. So what I would say, is there anything as you're looking at the younger generations coming up, that's giving you great excitement? Um, you know, when we think about discipleship, you know, there, there's been a lot of pause here after COVID people just kind of wondering, you know, okay, everything we did before is, is trash. Now, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the comforting thing is when we look at, at young people who are following Christ, who are, who are, are stepping into ministry, you know, the core stuff is still the same. Yeah. You know, yes. Some of the things around the edges need to change. Uh, you know, some, of uh, some, some technology might need to change. Some, some other things might need to change. But the core things we do know how to do, uh, you know, we we know how to share the good news. We know the importance of relationships and small groups yeah. in, in, in the impact that they have on adults, the impact they have on young people. Um, you know, I mean, just just to share a few things on that, uh, yeah. you know, um, among adults, people that are in a small group uh, on a weekly basis uh, are, are, are more likely to be involved in spiritual disciplines. They're more likely to be giving to the church. They're more likely to be serving inside the church. They're more likely to be serving outside the church in the community. Um, that they're more likely to have relationships within the church. Um, groups matter because yeah. we motivate each other, uh, especially when those groups are focused on the word of God, we motivate each other to follow Christ more closely in a way that we can't do that on our own. We, we see that when we study young adults, uh, um, young people, students, uh, in the same study, so that same dropout study, uh, a young person is three and a half more times more likely to stay in church mm. if at least three adults poured into their life and they could name their names. Wow. 
And, and so those relationships with peers, those relationships with adults absolutely matter. And so, you know, these are things we know how to do. Jesus taught us to love one another. Oh, that actually shows up in the statistics. You know, right. he modeled for us, you know, having a small group of people that, that are pouring into each other's lives, but are focused on, uh, on Christ. And, and it's like, wow, we're seeing in the numbers that works. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, the encouraging thing is that, that, the core things of, of, of how we're going to help this next generation, we know how to do. Now, there's a lot of ways we can mess that up. Yeah. There, you know, but, but at the same time, we, we know how to, we, we know how to disciple. Yeah. yeah. And the style and the methods may change as technology and all this stuff, new virtual reality, web three gets introduced, but yeah, the, the core is all there. Yeah. I love that. So then, uh, yeah, the flip side of that question too, though, um, and again, I don't want to just be negative for negative sake, but is there anything in younger generation, the data that you're seeing that like, ah, I have great pause there and, and, and we need to, we need to see that this is coming so that we can respond to it ahead of time, as opposed to just after the fact. You know, as is typical with, with each new generation, uh, you know, their failures tend to be the ones we pass on to them mm. or, or their reaction to the previous generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, what we see emerging with, with the youngest uh, adults are uh, really relying on the word of God less. So, so less likely, you know, Americans in the youngest age category are less likely to consider the Bible completely accurate. They're less likely to consider the Bible having authority. You know, they're much more likely to, to, to be thinking of, of, you know, their faith as kind of a cafeteria. I'll, I'll assemble what I want. And, and you can have what you want. And that's both, both of those are okay. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, they, they, they learned that from, from the previous generation, our generation that, that, you know, we left a few things out cause we didn't like them. Yeah. And, and so they, they, they real, they kind of took that as permission and said, that's okay. And, and so now we have a lot of young people with, with really some beliefs that are incompatible. You, you can't turn this one on and this one off and still be talking about the yeah. same God. And, and, and so, uh, you know, so that's really problematic. I think it's caused a lot of young people to to start, you, you, they start to realize there's some disconnects in their beliefs and, and they, they wonder, can I believe any of this? Mm. And, and, and so, uh, you, you know, so, so I mean, that's very problematic that, that, you, you know, what, it's difficult to begin to to just jump into like systematic theology of how all this stuff's connected yeah. um, when the foundation wasn't laid well to say, mm-hmm. you know, who is God? Who yeah. are you? Yeah, I love it. And I think that the thing there is like, we can knock on the younger generation, but we also, we also have to realize our role in that and that absolutely a little bit of the way they are because of who we are. I take no responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what I just is this is a personal question. I need your help for 10 seconds. Just curious if this is just me. I've got uh, two boys, one who just is a teenager, 14. What percentage of teenage boys only speak with grunts? <laughs> That's a good question. That, is that like just a me thing? And am I parenting wrong? Or is this no. like, and then what age does, does he come out of that? Please tell me. Yeah, Scott. we call it the gruntal stage. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? No, uh, uh, I mean, some of the advice that Rodney and Selma gave in the parent adventure, um, which I I, I provided the research. I was young enough in parenting that almost all the parenting advice came from them. (laughs) But, you know, one of the encouragements they gave was to talk. And and at the time, my kids were really young. And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, as the kids got older, they got into different phases. You know, my interests and their interests maybe weren't on the same page. That that did become harder and harder. And so, you know, as parents, you you know, one of the big encouragements is to keep trying and, and, you know, to Mm -hmm. keep 
keep keep engaging. Yeah. They notice that you care. They you, they notice yeah. that that you have interest in them, even if you're only getting one word back. It, it's, <laughs> it's... Sometimes it's not even a word, Scott. It's just a <laughs> hey, Scott. I I do have a question. You're um, a genius when it comes to. St- statistics and so here we go um i stayed i flew up from florida to nebraska stayed with my good friend in this beautiful home and uh one night uh, i walked downstairs and um i was gonna get a snack you know everybody was asleep and i noticed that zach had locks on his snack closet and uh it was there was a three-digit code and i tried probably and for a couple of hours <laughs> to get the right code because he's got some award-winning snacks. My question to you, Scott, is how many parents, Christian parents, put locks on their snack? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, I mean, if you've got teenage sons, I, I guess I understand, but that's pretty cruel. I'm not going to – I feel like you want me – you either make me want to feel guilty or you want me to throw my wife, Allison, under the bus, and I'm no, not going to do that. I feel like you have decision to make after your anyway. – you know, there's consequences. What's the best – okay, it, just in case I'm ever locked out, let's say it wasn't my idea and maybe more my wife. I'm not going <laughs> to say that, but let's say I was. Statistically, what is the best three-digit code I could enter to get in? <laughs> Well, well, uh, I'm sure Chris was trying like Everything. 316 yeah. or 666. Yeah. We're or, so holy, baby. Yeah. And uh, what percentage of kids don't return to their house because they were locked out of snacks when they were a teenager? That's the other one I'd like Lifeway to work on. If you don't. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, Scott, I got I got one more question. We ask all our guests this, and then Chris has got a fun game uh, that we're going to play. Um, the question we ask is, especially from your vantage point, which is such a unique vantage point, uh, you see all the research, all the numbers, um, all the time. And so the question is, this is a podcast to challenge disciples. And so what is one thing practically, um, that you would challenge this week, um, that all of our listeners, all of our audience, whether they're a pastor or, uh, just a stay at home mom or dad, that's locking their closets of snacks. (laughs) But what is, what is one practical thing as disciples that we can do that you want to challenge us to do this week? I would challenge you, I'm going to circle back to a statistic I shared earlier and and challenge you that each day this week, just have a short conversation with God, asking for an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with somebody cool. one-on-one, not, a, not in a group setting, not from the pulpit, sure. but but just one-on-one with somebody. Um, I, I think sometimes we don't realize that that those opportunities are gifts from God. Yeah. And, and some of those passages where he says, keep asking, uh, you know, be that neighbor who's who's knocking at in the middle of the night wanting snacks. You, you know <laughs> that that passage is about asking. You know, asking yeah. that you can have you can be a part of sharing, sharing maybe, the gospel with others. Maybe that's the mistake I made. I just tried to barge into yeah. the locked snack closet, but it was a two two thirty. I didn't want to wake anybody up. <laughs> I love it. All right. So the challenge is to let's ask God for those opportunities to have a conversation with somebody about who this God that we serve is. I love that, man. So is uh, this if you do that this week um, and especially if, if, yeah, you have testimonies you want to share with that. 
good or bad, right? Because it's it's a it's a challenge to go out there and 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 tell about our faith and share our faith. But if you would do do that, go ahead and put hashtag Red Letter Disciple in any of the socials. If you're following along on YouTube, we we do podcast and video form YouTube. Put it in the comments below. We'd love to cheer you on, pray pray for you and with you, especially for the person uh, that that's on the receiving end of your story. So. Uh, Scott, you've been awesome, but we got one more thing and uh, hang in there with us because Chris is crazy. So, Scott, uh, you have proven yourself through this entire (laughs) podcast that you are a man of integrity, of trusted statistics, a godly man. But here's the thing, Scott. I want to test you on maybe some stats outside of the church. I think maybe you've become too focused on the church and I want to make sure you're sharp. I want to make sure my life way people are sharp when it comes to (laughs) other stats. So um, according to my uh, research team, there is seven point around 7.8 billion people on planet earth. Wow. I could not interview every person. So what we've done is we've shrunk that number, the correct ratio from 7.8 billion to 100 people. And now I'm going to ask you, and Scott, since you're the guest here, and uh, Zach has not literally won a game yet, um, (laughs) we are going to start with you, Scott. Wait, Um, am I going against him then? Yes. Okay, cool. Of course. It's the stat leader guy versus kind of stat data data junkie. I would say stat expert versus stat hack. But here okay, we go. Thanks. All right. Um, stat Zach. S- stat Zach. Hashtag. Uh, write a, r- add hashtag Stat Zach on this. Okay. <laughs> here we go. If there were, instead of 7.8 million billion people and 100 people, Scott, how many people out of 100, what percentage would have access to the internet? Hmm. You see, you made this extra hard because the kids are in that number. Yes, sir. So uh, let me go with 14. Okay. Uh, Now he gets to play higher or lower, and then we'll rotate. Okay. Okay. So 14% is the number on the board from Scott. I'm going to say higher. The correct answer is 30% now have access to the internet. That is Zach Zender with one point. All right. Uh, Same type of question. Uh, Let's say the entire world population is is 100 people. How many people in the world out of 100 would have shelter? Do I do do this? Yes, you're up. How many people have shelter in the world out of 100? Uh 78. Okay, would you say, Scott, that number is higher or lower? I think the number's higher. Okay, the correct answer is 77. Zach, are you serious? Yes. You wow. Almost, what? If you hit it on the head, don't think you get a bonus because <laughs> our budget is not where we need it to be in season one. Season two, I'll give you some prizes. Yeah, okay? thank you. Thank All you. All right. Oh, here's one. Scott, you're up. You're down two. I don't want to, like, listen, we can cut this out of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> A hundred people on planet Earth. What percentage would have a college degree? Ooh. Wow. Um, eight. The answer is eight. Is it higher or lower? Ah, lower. 
I almost hate to say this, Scott, the number was 7%. Oh, gosh. Oh. All right. The next question's worth five points. It's three to nothing. This is the final one. Okay. This is the final one. Uh, Zach, you lead on this. It's worth five okay. points. This is worth all the marbles. Okay. All right. 100 people on planet Earth. What percentage of those people would live in North America? Okay, so 7.8 billion, and there's... Well, you don't think about that. that. Well, you have to do the math. I mean, it's just 100 people. Uh, I'll say 15. Okay. Scott, for the win. One out of seven continents. Hey, hey, split it. Oh. For the win, for five points, Scott. We'll say lower. The correct answer is 5%. Scott is our winner today, dominating over Zach. Complete destruction in the hundred people on Earth game. Unbelievable, <laughs> Zach! Just walk off the stage. You've been defeated by the master of stats and facts. Stats and facts. There you go. I I question the whole game. I I, I don't personally trust. Ladies and gentlemen, any Scott stats. McConnell. I don't trust any stats that are not from Lifeway Research. Come on, sir. I got all those from Lifeway Research. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Or Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, man, you've been a real blessing. Where can people uh, go to find you, the work, the research that uh, that is so vital to the future of our church and, and uh, just discipleship in general? We we, had, we put it all on LifewayResearch.com. So that's new research as well as insights articles to, to help you kind of integrate it in your thinking. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Scott, for being a part of Red Letter Disciple Podcast. Really appreciate you, man. And uh, the unique way you serve the kingdom is uh, so helpful to so, so many. So appreciate you, man. Thank you. Take care. See you. Scott was a, a great a great player in the game, and we had a lot of fun with him. And I, I'm, I'm glad that I now know that it's pronounced data in the future. That's really important for all of us. Hey, his challenge of the week. What would it look like for you to share your faith with someone this week? What would that look like for you? As, as this is a podcast about discipleship and growing God's kingdom, and we all play a part, and we want to challenge you to be greater followers. One of the targets of following Jesus is exactly that. It's going and sharing your faith. And so who would you do that with this week? Who comes to mind and could you do that? Hey, to learn more about LifeWay Research, Scott McConnell, or to access our show notes, go on over to redletterpodcast.com. Um, on that link, what you're going to see is the, the study that we commissioned with LifeWay Research. We, we actually commissioned a study called Red Letter Challenge Assessment, where we will measure you according to the five targets of discipleship. We, we created that with LifeWay's help, and we've had thousands of people go through it. So you can access the free Red Letter Challenge Assessment there to to see where you are today as a disciple of Jesus. It'll rank you on those five targets of being, forgiving, serving, giving, and going, and it'll give you great next steps in your faith. So you can do that. Uh, There you can also find out more about our season one sponsor, The Giving Church, and you can sign up for the webinar to help fund your church's vision. 
Seriously, season one was a blast from start to finish, and I can't thank The Giving Church enough that made this happen. Go to their website, thegivingchurch.com slash red, and there you can sign up for the webinar, get all the information. But I just want to thank them also for believing in us before we even had an episode. Thank you, Giving Church, for being so generous and for being generous on August 11th of this webinar, too, of of, of helping churches across the world, hopefully, to, to raise funds for their kingdom vision. I also, since it's the end of the first season, want to give a huge shout out to my Red Letter Living team for making all of this possible. From my wife, Allison, who is an incredible uh, partner, not only in this ministry, but it's been a huge help behind the scenes with this podcast. To our operations director, Andrea, who just makes everything happen. And to our marketing and web team, James, Mark, and Lois. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And Chris Johnson, even Chris, you know I love you. This was a lot of fun. And of course, the team here, Cam, here at Herodat Media, who is making it happen. And I would have to say like a huge thank you to our 12 guests. Like We had a really great guest list for season one. But as I've said before, it's not over. Season two is coming. In fact, the next few days, Chris and I will be recording season two. So what can you expect? Uh, Probably a whole lot more of what season one was about. World-class disciples, a wide range of topics when it comes to discipleship. Some very focused on the individual, some very focused on the church, and some dabbling in both. And I don't want to spill the beans just yet on what's coming, but here's what I can tell you. Next week on Tuesday, we'll drop the season two preview and let you know who's on the show, let you know what's coming up, and when you can expect the show to roll out weekly. So until then, give us a five-star rating, follow or subscribe on your favorite platform so that you'll automatically see when the podcast comes out. Until next time. A Huda Media Production.